Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube. Just go to the Empire Media YouTube page. That's A-M-P-I-R-E and like, subscribe, and also leave a comment. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Javala from the Washington Post ahead of the scouting combine this week. We discuss the team's pursuit of a quarterback, what's realistic, and how does Ron Rivera's public comments help or hurt this search? We also discuss needs other than quarterback, as well as the Washington Post's recent survey of the team name and stadium possibilities. You can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Javala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A, and you can read her work in the Washington Post. You can find my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up Tuesday about the quarterback search with input from people outside the organization on what they should or shouldn't do, also based on just a few things I'm hearing. Before I play my conversation with Nikki, I just wanted to touch briefly on the quarterbacks again, because it's, of course, an ongoing story. They will, I stress, will try to trade for Aaron Rodgers and or Russell Wilson. I don't know that Rodgers would want to come here. Don't know that. And I strongly believe Green Bay would not trade him in the NFC. Rob Domofsky told us that would be the case or that he told us exactly that way back in the fall when I had him on the podcast. And he, of course, covers the Packers. And I think ESPN's Diana Rossini reported that the other day as well. So I think it's going to be really hard to get him. I know they're going to try. And I know that they've, they've talked to Green Bay about him. And Deshaun Watson would be another person of interest. I still think there's so many issues and the combination of what Washington has gone through and what Watson has been accused of makes that a difficult pairing. I was told that Washington has contacted every team in the NFL about their quarterback situation just to see. And sometimes you get a sense of what other teams are thinking as well. And so that helps shape maybe what you feel you need to offer other teams. I also think as we get closer and the the other thing with that, I think it shows the exhaustive search that they're, they're taking on. I also think as we get closer that they will definitely not force a trade with Jimmy Garoppolo because of the cost analysis. Doesn't mean they wouldn't trade for him, but I don't think they're just going to automatically go get him because, well, he's the next best guy. Um, They also know that he may have hit a ceiling in San Francisco, that that's a good place for him. Again, he's played in a place that maybe has been perfect for him. So will he be much better where he, if he goes anywhere else and the injury, the injury history is also a concern. So if you have to give up, maybe one draft, you just give up one draft pick and you don't have, and you can work out an extension that is um, you could get out of in a year or so then. Okay. But other otherwise, I think they're going to look hard at free agents and two names to watch. There will be Mitch Trubisky and Teddy Bridgewater. Neither one is going to get the fan base fired up because of all we've talked, all we've talked about or, or discussed is the possibility of some of these big names. Well, this is the other end and Trubisky will get definite attention by a few teams. He's not guaranteed to go anywhere and be the guy, of course. But while there are issues with this game, there's also a strong sense that former Chicago coach Matt Nagy was a bad fit with him. And talking to a few people, um, Trubisky needs to be in a place where they use a lot of RPO and play action. The Bears really didn't do a lot of that. There were other issues, and the feeling was that Nagy was never really sold on him, um, and, it, and it showed. Does that mean he'll shine elsewhere? No, it's just why some teams are intrigued by him and he is an athletic quarterback. And then here's the other thing, the cost. He's only going to cost around seven or 10 million a year. 
and that's would be in the Bridgewater range as well. I do believe if Washington can't get one of the top ones available, they'll strongly look at this option. And then probably, I would say probably, because nothing is ever guaranteed, but probably pair them with the draft pick, not necessarily in the first round, but within the first three. If it doesn't work, we'll be back here next offseason. But they would hope with a stronger roster because you wouldn't have been giving up the cap space and the picks to sign a quarterback that maybe has a, has a definite ceiling as well. If it does work, then and they, maybe Trubisky could be their Ryan Tannehill or maybe whoever they pick in, the, like in rounds two or three would be could develop into something. Um, and again, Bridgewater would be in that mix too. And I think part of the, the allure for him – Listen, I was talking to someone the other day about him. He is what he is at this point. He's a game man. He's when someone says game manager, that's all that they feel he is. That that he had a lot of talent around him in Denver and really never made it work there um, because of his style of play. But he but he does offer some of that leadership ability and because he's been through so much and he would be a good fit. And if I'm if I if I'm them and I signed Bridgewater, I'm looking at a quarterback in any round, first, second, third. If there's someone there that they like with Trubisky, I think I could see them bypassing a guy in the first round, unless it's Kenny Pickett, and then going maybe with a guy in the second or third round. I've heard with Trubisky, I've heard a lot of good things about what about how teammates like him. I my understanding is that Charles Leno was very high in him. That and I do believe like Juan Castillo coached in um, Chicago for a year, and I, my sense, my what I've heard is that he was a big that he's a fan of his as well. So you know what. I don't know what, whatever, we'll see what that means. Um, I don't know that Trubisky, I don't know that I've heard that he's a dynamic leader. I think he's, maybe he's just someone that others like and has to grow into the other role. I don't know. I know Nagy didn't want him there after a while. And so they traded for Nick Foles and they benched Trubisky in week three after he struggled and the team was two and oh, that tells you how short a leash he was on. He came back later in the year, played well, and you talk to people in Chicago and they feel like he probably saved the jobs for like Nagy and GM Ryan Pace because they finished well and they did make the playoffs, although losing in the first round. So will that one year in Buffalo be enough to elevate him? People close to him say, yes, I don't know. I've talked to some who think he's the guy Washington should sign because of the, again, cost analysis. And I've talked to others who feel he's a career backup. So we will see. And for what it's worth, I really haven't talked to anyone who yet who thinks Seattle will actually trade Russell Wilson. Part of the logic, Pete Carroll is 70 years old and might only cut coach another year or two, or maybe just, let's say a couple of years, I don't know. But the, the thinking is maybe if, what if it's only a year or two, he doesn't want to do it without a top quarterback. It's possible Wilson is a more realistic option for teams trading for a guy in 2023 than it is right now, unless Seattle knew that it was going to get back a top tier quarterback some way, whether with extra picks or in a deal. That means Washington's most real, realistic option is could be the pairing of Trubisky, Bridgewater, and a rookie. I think if Kenny Pickett is, again, is there at 11, they pick him. Otherwise, my guess is they wait a round or two. Then you're looking at the Desmond Ritters, Carson Strong types. It'll be an interesting week at the Combine to see if they get a deal done with safety Bobby McCain and perhaps lay the groundwork for a restructured deal with Landon Collins, et cetera. There's also running back J.D. McKissick, whom they also want back. One thing I do know, and it hasn't really been talked about a lot, but he's coming off a neck injury. And that's nothing that you can just easily dismiss or just assume that everything's going to be OK right away. And if I'm both sides, I'd want to make sure all is OK in that regard before you start to really work out and complete a deal. Finally, the stadium sites. Channel 9's Eric Flack in Washington reported that the three sites in Virginia under consideration is there's one in Sterling, 
which of course is in Loudoun County, then right, one right off 95 in Woodbridge, another in Dumfries. Of those, only Sterling would appeal to me, much more accessible for a lot of people in Virginia, but also for people in Maryland, you're, you know, it's just more accessible. Um, and there's more around there. Anything off 95 would be a traffic nightmare and, and there's not a lot to do. There's not a lot in Dumfries. And I think, again, you're talking about other modes of transportation. You have more of that in Sterling. Um, of course, part of what the appeal that for them is getting a lot of land so they can build out around the stadium. And there would be room for that down in Dumfries, but it's tougher to get to and clearly further from Maryland. The Woodbridge site, part of the, I remember talking to a politician who felt like um, one reason why they might go somewhere like that is because it'd be between Richmond and the district. But as my, my guy, Rick Snyder pointed out to me, I think it was the Dumfries site is about equidistant from DC as um, Raven Stadium. So I don't think you want to go down there for that reason. Um, anyway, I still like them. I'd still love to see them going back to the district. Don't know how they can get that done given some of the hurdles. I think it's going to take more than the mayor making her pitch or giving her support. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with the Washington Post, Nikki Javala. What does she think of Washington's quarterback options and what other areas would she address? Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post. All right, Nikki. Well, within the last week, you had that story on the survey and the team name. I'm curious what your... You know, first of all, how long did it take you to go door to door to get all those people? <laughs> I mean, it's it's been a long year, let me tell you. Um, I, I'm just glad you finally put Sam to good use to go in and get yeah. all those back <laughs> yeah. stories. Um, but, but seriously, what were you surprised? What did you think of the findings? Were you surprised by anything? Not necessarily. I honestly thought it would be a little bit more skewed. Um, and I, I think anything this early in the process you know, warns the caveat that it's early. Like, you know, the, the Washington football team warmed up to a good number of people. So I would expect this name to do the same. And I, and what I learned in this process is the colors mean more to people than the actual yeah. name. So I, whatever they're called, as long as you're burgundy and gold, um, and until you win, you know, really everything's going to stay the same. So 
Yeah, I mean, only 5% say they love it at this point. Not terribly surprising. Only 36% say they like it, you know, and, and, and close to half of them say they either dislike it or hate it. Which, you know, again, not not really surprising. I feel like the name change was a, a no-win for the team. You're going, oh, you're always going to have people who... Right, and I actually try to think it's probably those numbers are probably good for them in some ways that they probably oh. say that's not bad. Right. No, absolutely. And again, it's early. I, I think those numbers can change. I, I think the name right now is new, and I think... Kevin Sheehan actually made a good point that now it seems really final that the old controversial right. name is really done. Whereas when you had the Washington football team, it was you're kind of in that interim phase. You know, it doesn't really feel final, but now now it probably does. Well, and it did. It's funny because I had talked to Kevin about that a couple weeks ago, like before the name came out, just how jarring I thought the whole process would be for people who are still it was like the finality of it, I thought was going to hit people hard. And so I think it did. What did you, with, as far as the colors go, we've seen the uniforms. Some of them don't exactly look like they're burgundy, maybe, you know? So what did you, what did you find on that one? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't survey people on the uniforms. We asked them about um, the name and the stadium and the old name. But from what I've heard from most people is, they like the matte helmets, but the red looks a little cranberry-ish. It, it seems kind of torn. Some people love the all burgundy look. Some people hate it. Some people hate the all white uniforms. Some people hate it. So I can't get a good read on the uniforms. I like the all black, but then there's also the contingent that says that's not really Washington right. color. That doesn't look anything like us, but I don't know. I think it looks like either way until you win football games well know. i think if if they <laughs> win yeah if they win in those colors i think right. people will be okay listen i'm an ohio state guy and there are sometimes they'll come out in these black uniforms like that's not ohio state and then you start watching the game and you just want them to play well and win right. um, and if they don't win in those colors like that's not ohio state so and even right. sometimes i still right. say that but because it's jarring to see that um do you think it would have changed because i know you guys had it, it was district residents and this may be hard to answer, but do you think it would have changed to include suburban areas? Or do you think that that maybe, you know, I don't know if you have, you can even answer that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I wondered the same. Um, I kind of feel like it, it with the name, it would it would sort of be the same. It might be a little bit more skewed negatively um, just because you're incorporating more people. And yeah. but yeah, it, it's hard to say. I'm, I, it's I it's think, a hard thing to answer. Yeah, well, I think either way, you're going to get a generally negative reaction at this point because it's so new and most people just don't like change as, you know, especially if you're used to something for what, 87 years, you right. know, there's a legacy there. There's, you know, there's, there's history there. So, um, but you know, it, it needed to be changed. So, and I, and I know there's also, there's some of it, of the perception is, well, certain other teams names were. It took a while to warn, you know, maybe that the Packers sounded weird at first. This team, but they weren't changing a name that fans viewed as iconic either. So there's, so I think you have the double whammy and you have to get, it's going to take a little bit longer and you better get, you better win and all that. So um, stadium stuff. What did you, what did you find there? Right now, everybody just says it belongs in DC. That's where it's a DC team. It belongs in DC. You know, why are we talking about Virginia? I mean, nobody likes going to Landover anyway, but a lot of them just 
kept saying it, it comes down to winning. If you win, people will show up. Uh, another thing that people really mentioned was uh, public transportation. You got to make it accessible to people, whether it's in Virginia or Maryland or DC, make it accessible because right now, you know, the, the stadium in Landover is so difficult to get in and out. So that was one thing that came up when I started talking to people and that went beyond our survey. But, you know, we, we asked about, you know, tax subsidies and, and would they be okay with using taxpayer money or city money um, to help fund a new stadium? And many said no. Um, there were a couple that said, yeah, it's a part of business. I get it. I wouldn't mind it be great if they won, but, <laughs> you know, um, I, I actually thought it would, it would be even more skewed there, but, um, some people didn't seem to mind it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think when you talk about public transportation too, it's why the talk of Prince William County is very difficult to, yeah. to grab hold of because there isn't that level of public transportation there right now. And, Whereas Loudoun, you do have it. And obviously in the district, you have it definitely. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Let's get on to on-field topics because that's a little bit more, I think, entertaining. So <laughs> we've talked about all this stuff. But um, first of all, you got the combine this week and coming up. When you're going there, what are you looking for? Because you're going to be there all week. What are you looking for? And what, what you know, yeah, what are you looking for? I, I, I to me, the combine for our purposes for media, because we don't get to sit in on the workouts. They let us select few in on quarterbacks. I'm not sure if they're going to allow that this year, but in normal years, they, they allow that. Um, so for what I'm looking for is, is, is talking to the prospects and, and learning who they are, how they handle themselves in front of media, which can be very intimidating. Like I think back to um, you know, Joe Burrow's years and the scrums are so big, like you can't even see the right. player in front of you. Um, and I got to imagine for the person up there, that's got to be pretty intimidating. So I'm always curious to see how, how players handle that. Um, and, and what they say about their past, if they've had, you know, any sort of red flags, um, I'm always curious what teams they've talked to. And sometimes that can always be taken out of context because, you know, teams, yeah, it's always, you know, it's usually most every team and then they'll have right. top 30 visits that aren't really, you know, there's not a ton of correlation on whether there's interest or if they just need more information. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see more how these guys handle themselves. And then, of course, talking to the other coaches and GMs, kind of seeing where they're at. Um, we get a, a good amount of time with with Ron Rivera, supposed to get time with Martin Mayhew, um, but also hearing from the other GMs and coaches who have quarterbacks that might be on the move. Um, you know, what what do they say? Is there um, kind of anything interesting to parse there? And I, I, I honestly think beyond the quarterbacks, I, I think this is the really interesting time. You know, they Washington needs a lot of pieces outside of quarterback. I mean, I look at the DBs. This is a good year for cornerbacks. You know, it's a really good year for cornerbacks. That everything's kind of been overlooked because of the importance of the quarterback position. But I think there's a number of good prospects that could really stand out this year. Cornerbacks are some good ones, and and I go, I keep hitting hard the middle linebacker yep. and finding somebody there. And I think, and I think that they are going to hit that hard as well. Um, so what, are, what are, for you, what are the other spots that you think that they would need to address um, besides quarterback? And we'll get to more quarterback in a minute, but let's go here right yeah. now. Well, you look at this class, I mean, it's heavy on edge rusher. I think they're 
pretty deep there. They could use another one on, in the latter rounds, probably. Right. I, uh, I also, you know, going back to your earlier question about things you're looking for. I mean, this is a big time when moves are made behind the scenes. Right. Trades here or agreed upon trades. Um, you know, this is when illegal, legally or not, you know, many free agent deals are cut. So um, seeing who's talking to who. Um, but Although, you know, it's funny yeah. about it's. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it's funny about that because that used to be a bigger thing before that legal tampering period. Now it's like a precursor to the legal tampering, but that's still, it, it's, there's still an introduction to, Hey, we're going to be interested in your guy. Just listen to us in two weeks or a week and a half. Right. right. No, exactly. Um, and there, you know, there are agents that have guys already on the team. They're talking like, you know, I would imagine there's conversation with McKissick's agent at, at this combine and, you know, others they're, they're trying to keep. And if that agent just so happens to rep, rep another player on another team and he comes right. conversation, what can you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. But other positions, definitely DBs, safeties, corners too. Um, you know, wasn't the greatest year for William Jackson, but kind of tied to him on that contract. Kendall Fuller, you got to consider his long-term future with the team, um, you know, and, and still no real, you know, lead guy in that nickel position. But safety, it seems wide open outside of Cam Pearl right now. Um, and then, then it depends on do they want to bring back McCain? Do they look at somebody else? But, yeah, right. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with certain guys at that. I don't think you can go wrong taking a guy there. And, you know, my belief, Nikki, is always like if you think the guy's really good and can help you, then you draft him and you work the right. other stuff out later because it's always right. not about what's right, what do you need now. It's about who can help you win. Right, right. So so I'm with you. Like, if you can get a corner, corners, it's like pitching in baseball. You don't have enough of those guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So DB's middle linebacker, and then on offense, I mean, I, I feel like they could always always use more weapons. I mean, because Curtis Samuel, in my mind, is not – is not ever a guarantee. I feel like last season we went into the year thinking, oh, they're they're pretty loaded at receiver. They got a good number of weapons and they ended the year, I would say, kind of worse off than they were the year before just because of injuries. So they need depth there at receiver. Um, I would lean more toward getting a veteran there um, just because first-year pass catchers tend to struggle in year one. But th they need depth there across the board and then, you know, not a ton of guard talent it looks like in this draft class but they got to find some sort of solution for for brandon sheriff and you know if that means schweitzer stepping in you get a guy for depth um a younger right. guy for depth that's seems like a yeah, you know i'm i'm with you i would address the interior line some point in the middle rounds of draft if they can do it not maybe sadiq does maybe sadiq charles does develop because he's he shows flashes but then as you and i know like they, he was also inactive for many games and wasn't always a, but but he did show flashes when he'd go in there. So can he develop if they just keep him at guard? Because I think that's where his best spot is. Now I know you, they like to swing. You got to be able to do both. I get that, but his best spot would is is guard. And so you know there there is a possibilities there. But I'm with you. I would get a guy. I'm definitely with you on the skill bats. And you know and, and whether it's a veteran or even drafting, if you draft a guy to me, it's a first round pick guy you just got to take there, whether it's, you know, whether you want a Garrett Wilson, whether you want a Drake London, somebody, you know, can he be your Jamar Chase, right? Somebody, right. somebody who is of that caliber um, right. because I think that would help Terry a lot. And here's the other reason, Nikki too, because JD McKissick is coming off the neck injury. We don't know 
you know, where, where's that? Where's he going to go? Was he going to be back? Is, does that neck injury linger? Who knows? There's a lot that we don't know about with him, right? So you got that. Then you got Logan Thomas coming off the ACL. Big weapon for them in the red zone, but when is he going to be ready? You know, we have Curtis Samuel. I think Curtis Samuel, if he's healthy, you have an idea what he can do because he's done it. Um, right. But but if and when healthy, right? And so we don't know how that's going to transpire. But if he is, then okay. Deami Brown, we don't know. Yeah. You know, there's he showed a, there's us. Still so many ifs on the offensive yeah. side. If it all works out, yeah, they could be. They got a lot of weapons for whoever their quarterback is going to be. But the last two years, it hasn't always worked out. There's just been so many injuries, or guys haven't performed to the level that they expected them to. And you got to get you got to get some reliability in there. Is is how I see it. Right, and and again, I think what you also see in this league is. It's, it's a, you need those, you need the weapons. You need to have the offensive weapons to, to really threaten teams. And um, especially if you want to go further in the playoffs, you have to have that. And especially if you don't have the quarterback, if you don't, if you're not able to get a top guy, you better have the talent around them that can make them look like a better quarterback. Right. Right. Guys that can create on their own, who can make the job easier. If you get a young guy in there, um, because I, like you said, lately, it's been all on Terry and either there's only so much one player can do if there's no other threat around them. Right. And I think we saw that too, when, when they lost McKissick and Thomas, the impact on Terry was pretty, was pretty grand. And then I also think at times it's like, then it's on the offensive coaches to be able to move. I think sometimes they did all right with this. And sometimes that uh, you wondered, but move him around a little bit more, create some situations for him to get the ball in a variety of ways. And it's, it's a cliche to say that it's always an easy thing to say. Um, but that's one thing that, you know, but they would have to scheme. They had to scheme so hard because they didn't have enough around him to help that. And it becomes exhausting to have to play that way, which is why I would go get another guy. If somebody presents themselves in the draft or in free agency. And then, you know, then we don't even know, we didn't even bring up Adam Humphreys and he's not some game breaking weapon, but he is a He was a solid slot receiver for them. Yep. Yep. Another free agent that they got to consider. And I, I think they could get them pretty cheap. You know, I think they could keep a lot of their guys on relatively reasonable deals. So I, he's another that would just make sense to keep because he's, he's a savvy vet. He knows where he needs to be. He's reliable, you know, and I just think whomever you bring in at quarterback, he's going to help them. So you will see, I, again, I, I think the combine is a time where, you know, it's not just about the rookies, though that's the focus. The quarterbacks are the focus. I, I think this is a time where we might start to see a number of these moves yeah, get made. Definitely. And that definitely. And I think I've heard that from a lot of people like, you know, what do you think about this person? That person is something close. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk to people at the combine. It's always right. that's always the punctuation, that sentence. And when you talk about reliable, where knows where he needs to be, it also sounds like you're describing Matt Paris from the Washington Times. So, you know, this, that, so he and Adam Humphreys are kind of like Matt Paris is our slot receiver in the press room, right? Very much is. Yeah. <laughs> when I look at Matt Paris, I definitely think, you know, savvy it's, slot receiver right there. I'm picturing him running an option route. It's kind of <laughs> funny in my head, to be honest. So we'll move on to quarterback. What do you think? First of all, there's about a hundred scenarios. It feels like yeah. that they where they could go. What do you think is the best option or most realistic option for them at this point? Most realistic, I would say, because I, I don't think any of these are 
great options, assuming, you know, Aaron Rodgers stays or goes somewhere else and Russell Wilson is off the table. If they if they don't get either of those two, which both of them seem highly unlikely. You know, and you, I think you, of and I think of those, I think of those two, Russell's a more this is gonna sound like I'm saying Russell's a realistic realistic option. Of those two, he's more the option than Aaron Rodgers. For right. That. He's, but he's that doesn't mean unlikely. Yeah, yeah, I can I can I'm probably closer to being able to afford, you know, afford a high-end Mercedes versus a Lamborghini doesn't mean I'm getting one. Wow. You just, you just, <laughs> I don't even know if that's accurate. Wow. Uh, only a, a Mercedes really? I, I don't you know. Can, like, I'm not... up like a Maserati or something. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but I don't know the, I, what, I don't know the price tags of them. I'm not a car guy like that. I noticed. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, but once you, once you, once those two guys are off the table, right. then you're looking at the Jimmy Garoppolo tier, right? And I mean, I don't really know who who else would be in that tier. It's kind of like Jimmy Garoppolo or Mitchell Trubisky, Deshaun Watson. His name is always going to be out there. Um, right. I could see how there would be interest. I could see how there would be trepidation Resolution. on many fronts, you know, given his his own situation. You don't know if that's going to be resolved. You don't know if he's going to be suspended. And then, right. you know, what the franchise has uh, been dealing with the last couple of years, is that the right move? Correct. Um, but, you know, and if you even want to come here. Right. Exactly. That, and, and that to me is always a question that you got to ask. And I know Ron Rivera thinks it's a very enticing place, but this team has been to the playoffs five times yeah. over the last 20 something years. You know, it's, I think people know what, you know, Washington's recent history is. Will they have all the weapons? Um, they appear to be a team on the rise, but are they? Anyway, so, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, that's kind of the next year's Carson Wentz going to be available. Yep. And then you start to wonder, like, is, is are these really better options than Taylor Heineke? Um, you know, I, I've, my dogs are wrestling in the background. Sorry. Um <laughs> Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, I could see the intrigue there. You know, some I feel like he's there's still a ton of potential there, and he's coming from Buffalo. And if you come from Carolina or Buffalo, Correct. or you are, you're it's in. a made man. And and I think I think I think there is going to be some intrigue by some teams. Like, was it really all all Matt Nagy's fault? And I don't, I'm not buying that it was all Matt Nagy's fault because what you see on film is a guy who doesn't always throw with anticipation. Waste to guys to get open and mechanics are up and down. So I think there was definitely a lot that was on Trubisky himself and you can't overlook that, but I think they're going to look at it. And, and here's, you know, I think if, I think if you get a Wentz or a Trubisky, you're pairing him with a rookie. Do you think? Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And the question is then do you, do you take a guy in the first round? I think you have to, I think you have to get if a you guy. Get one of those guys and the guys there, yeah, you got to take Absolutely. Him. But, you know, what does the second round look like in this class? You know, I, I always think, you know, whatever you think of the quarterbacks in January, that position is always going to get pushed up by April. Correct. And they're always, you know, the top four, typically, not every year, typically going to be taken early, whether they're the best player on the board or not, because of the need for the position. So if, 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 if you know, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, if they're off the board already, you know, do you use your first round pick on a quarterback or your second round pick on a quarterback 
you know, do you really feel like he can develop into a guy? I mean, it's, it's a hard year for this position. It is. And that's why, that's why I wonder, and I was going to ask you too, with Ron Rivera has been very vocal about the desire to upgrade there and, and the sales pitch. And this is the sales pitch has been going on for a couple months now. And the, the desire, the stated public stated desire has right. been going on for a few months. So do you think, what do you think of that, of that strategy? Yeah. Um, I could see how he thought it would be a sound strategy at first to really, you know, get fans thinking they, they do want to be aggressive. And I do think they do yeah, want to be they definitely want to be, yeah. the inventory just isn't there this year. So I think they could come out of this and many fans will be like, are you serious? This is, this is being aggressive. And it could be viewed as another bridge year for a quarterback until next year. But the options just aren't great right now. No. Um, and you can always say in hindsight, oh, they should have given up more for Matt Stafford. I feel like that deal was kind of predetermined from the start, given Matt Stafford was having lunch with Sean McVay, um, like right when it went down or something. It was, like, was a random meeting, Nikki. That was a random meeting. It was a random meeting in Cabo. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean everything's everything's twenty twenty in hindsight, but I I don't think with Stafford, especially like if you're competing with the Rams to get him, it was going to be very 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 difficult, and you would have had to have given up three first round picks probably or so to get him, and then it's that's where the cost analysis comes in. That's why I think like with Garoppolo, I think there's some hesitation there because the injury history as to what you would give for him. And that that may lead you down the road. Is it better to, you know, does Carson Wentz become available? Does he get cut? You know, and if so, then do you pair him with a guy, a similar style quarterback like a Malik Willis? So I think there's a lot of different scenarios that could unfold here um, and different quarterbacks I could see. And it's, yeah. but I'm with you. Like, and the, the problem is that this isn't a great year. And so that's why I wonder, you know, fans are going to get all excited about this mm -hmm. and, I think they're I think they're smart enough to know that it is difficult. I definitely get that sense from fans too. But how about just from from with Ron, just again, not many coaches go out there and say it to this extent. It's, yeah. When you're trying to get it, does that do you feel it makes them look too desperate or just honest? I mean, I, I think it's his reality too. I mean, everybody knows and, well, they need a quarterback. Is, yeah. You know, yeah. they, it's they, not they, like they're yeah, nobody, yeah, no one in the league is saying, oh, Washington's set. Nobody's saying yeah, that. right. And then, but the thing is, the thing I, I don't I maybe take issue with with his message is they're not a quarterback away. You know, despite what Robert Griffin the third thinks, they are not a quarterback away from contending. I mean, we just went over all the positions that they need. But it also um, depends on the quarterback too. You know. Yes, it, I, like, I agree. Yeah. You need a quarterback to win, but I think I don't think they're in the same position that say the Rams were when they went out and acquired Matt Stafford. You know, I, I think they need more. I think they're so much better off on the offensive line um, with or without Sheriff than they were two years ago. I think they've developed more weapons at running back. Certainly they got some intriguing pieces at receiver tight end. Definitely. Hopefully that D line can kind of find its way back to 2020. Um, but I still think they have a lot of missing pieces in their if they can get a quarterback that can help them win, they're still a, a year or two away from really being 
you know, considered a contender, in my opinion. And and that's and, that, and like I said, to me, then it depends on the quarterback. If you get Russell Wilson, right. different spot because sure. Russell elevates. Yeah. And I look at the Bengals. The Bengals have a lot of holes, and yeah. the right guy took them to the right to the place. Now, can you know they also lost seven games and they had a nice stretch. They had a nice hot stretch in the playoffs. But it's what it, it's what one guy can do. But I also know that Joe Burrow is a rare dude, so right. that's why it's hard yeah. to find that guy. So if you go out and you if you go get the bridge guy, if you let's say you get Trubisky, but you somehow draft Kenny Pickett, I don't look at them as saying now watch him roll. I think it's like okay, now you have to keep building, and then then another year. And I I think in that scenario, can you be good enough to get to the playoffs? Right. Do you think? I mean, one- yeah, no, one, one coach really just, I, I thought his description was, or his analogy was, it, it made sense and it, it seemed sound in that, you know, when you get a guy like Garoppolo or maybe even Trubisky or kind of that second tier guy in this year's market, everything has to be perfect around him right. for, for it to succeed. And you look at, you know, what the 49ers had in terms of weapons, their scheme, and it, and it wasn't always perfect. And when it wasn't, they, they lost. They dealt with a number of injuries too. And that's that's the hard part. When you get one of the elite guys, they can mask a lot of deficiencies. Right. Be it the line, they can over, overcome mistakes of the defense. They can do things to, to take your team past Joe whatever issue that, Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you have, you know, I a non-elite quarterback, everything has to be perfect. And that's really, really hard to do. You can't control a lot of the things that that happen out there, you know? Right, which is why you can't give up a lot for certain players who are not at that level. Right. Um, and they get, I go, I, I always go back to Garoppolo. He's the one guy we know is available. Um, but, you know, you can't give up a ton for him because here's the other thing that I was thinking about this the other day. He may have been in the best spot for him already. Meaning San Francisco. So yeah. is he going to be, you have to like, and I know like, you know how teams are, they're always going to convince themselves that they're the best spot for a guy right. or that right. they he can make it. There, but he will definitely work out. With right. Us. But I, but as a, from an outside perspective, looking at it, knowing what he had, the running game, he had the defense, he had the coach, he had calling plays mm-hmm. that I just wonder like, is that, is this going to be a better spot to bring out more from Garoppolo than what he already has shown? I don't, I, I would, I'd be concerned with that. And it's not a knock on anybody here. I just have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan, that run game, the design of it, that defense. I think it's hard to match that, you know, and, but, you know, having said that, Nikki, like he'd come here and he'd be the second best quarterback in this division. Right. Right. I mean, and that, that is something I think Ron can kind of pump up even more is this is right. an enticing division. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of leeway here with Garoppolo, Garoppolo though. You also have to consider the finances. Like yeah, he does time. have, I mean, he has what a $25.6 million cap. If he comes here, if you want to lower that, you're talking about extending him. And do you want Correct. really want to, you know, lock up multiple years to a guy that you don't know if it's going to work out. And that's in his that's injury history. Right. Exactly. Um, I so give him low, I give him some guaranteed money, but not a lot of years. And you could get out of it if you need to after right. a year or two. Right. Maybe that's, that's how I, that's the only way I do yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. But that's, so, I mean, that's the other thing to consider. I mean, there are a lot of, it's not as, I feel like, you know, sitting on the couch, sometimes I can be, oh, just get that guy. Give up this guy, get that guy. But there's just, I think a lot of these, all the teams really, you got to look one, two, three years down the line right. um, to really determine if, if this is the right fit. And it's not always just, is the guy an upgrade? It's a, is he enough of an upgrade at this cost? That's the big key. So like, that's why you go back to the Trubisky's. Well, it's going to, he cost what, seven to 10 million. I mean, so, you know, you can say, well, it gives you again, but you have to pair him with a rookie. And then it's like, well, which one is going to be there? If you're, if you want one at 11, if not, do you trade back? If there's a couple that are there that you'd be okay with. And right. usually there's one or two, one guy or two guys that, you know, in this round, we really like this guy. In this round, we like this guy. You're not going to like them all. So or you're not going to think all of them are fits, but, you know, but at least with a guy like that, if Wentz becomes free and I'm not sure that that's going to be the best option for them, but you know, he's going to be, he will be an option. So um, I don't know, Nikki, in the end, it's going to be, what do you think? Like in the end, I don't, I don't want to ask predictions, but what do you think happens? I think they get Mitchell Trubisky. Fans will be really disappointed. I think he'll maybe win a couple games. Um, we could be in the same spot we were last year with Taylor Heineke closing out the season and looking ahead to 2022. Or- Do you think they take a rookie in that spot then? Do you think they t- they draft somebody if you, if they go that route? I think they should draft somebody yes. if they go that route. Um, will they? I don't know with this team. I think they should. I think they, I think they absolutely should. If you, if you're not getting Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you absolutely should. You have to plan for the future, whether you, I mean, there's always a debate of if you don't love the guy, don't take him. But do you feel like he can win for you? Can you develop him? There's no guarantees about next year. That's my issue with always kicking the can down the road is, there's no guarantees. It looks like it's going to be a better class with Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, but there's no guarantees. Um, and are you going to be willing next year to say, if you do win and you have a lot of round pick, are you going to be willing to give up multiple picks to move up? I mean, there's always, there's even more what ifs then. Right. Um, but I think you have to take a quarterback. And my thing would be, if you don't have one at this point, just be aggressive looking for that guy. And if it means, if it means you take a, if it means you sign Trubisky and you draft somebody in the first round or even the second round because your guy's not there and it, and you're not sold on it, do it again next year. Be aggressive. And until you get that problem solved, I just think that there's going to be a ceiling as to what they can do. And as I think history shows that while defenses you want to have, you want to be able to build this great defense that signal caller can take you further than anything. So right, we right. shall see, but well, Nikki, listen, I appreciate you coming on, have fun in Indianapolis and uh, we will talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Of course. Sounds good. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nikki for joining me and thank you for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. Talk to you next time.